Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me and Nick on most platforms at HyperClean Store. Best way to go, though, is go to the Facebook specialist group. It's HyperClean Specialist. Go there and interact or reach out 918-800-1188. And I've got a really great guest that I'm excited to talk to here at Mobile Tech Expo. And there's some history, which is what I, I really am excited to talk through is has how you and I have done some trainings together. Yeah. And uh, right. things that came out into that and where we see it going out into into the world of detailing. So, Jason, man, introduce yourself. Uh, where do people find you on social media? So, yeah, I do, uh, Jason Rose with Rupus, and I'm, I do have an Instagram account, account, but I have to admit I don't know how to manage it very well. So <laughs> I apologize ahead of time if you've... Uh, if you reached out to me on Instagram and I didn't respond, it's because I don't know what I'm doing. But um, on I'd an episode, we thought we had you talked into to taking the picture during the episode that it was going to be your first Instagram <laughs> post. We didn't make the cut though. I really <laughs> thought the podcast would make that cut. I don't know why we thought that. Yeah, I don't know what my first picture was. I'm not sure. But anyway, I do do have an Instagram account. Um, it's Jason Rose Rupus. And then I have two Facebook accounts. One's the page, and the other is my personal profile. Um, and then I haven't done the TikTok thing yet. Uh, I don't know if I want to. Holding out? Yeah. <laughs> it uh, TikTok is a whole other world. Uh, it is funny, though, here in the community. We, uh, we have jumped into TikTok as much as we can. We put out stuff. But as detailers have began starting to put out TikToks, yeah. It's interesting how fast they can grow, and we've had people here that go, hey, that's the people from TikTok. Like, uh-huh. you can start becoming recognized by being a TikToker, whereas it used to be you were a YouTuber. Right. Now there's TikToker detailers. Yeah. And my understanding, and I don't understand much about the social media, but with TikTok, if you if you want millions or th- hundreds of thousands, that's the way to do it, right? That viral, go viral, do it mm-hmm. on do it on TikTok. And one of the fastest virals right now is interior detailing, but that's not what we're going to talk about here. <laughs> Absolutely not. We got to okay. dive into some correction, huh. um, and and we really want to to look at because there's no doubt as one of the main things here at Mobile Tech Expo, there's a word that constantly gets brought up. First of all, most everybody's so glad to be back together. Yeah, yeah. But the second word that's always brought up is economy Hmm. the state of the economy right yeah and concerns about the future and what's going to happen and am i as my business going to be successful next year you know that sort of stuff so should somebody if we're thinking about the economy thinking about tough times right as have you been in the industry for now many many years you've gone in and out of recessions you've gone through times where it's incredible the economy is great people are spending more money than we've ever seen in the industry and that was 15 16 17 18 here in the community we yep. talked about it. it was the best time ever to be a detailer. We've never seen that amount of money being poured into our industry. Right. But now that's starting to dry up, as we began to say in 1920, like, hey, this oh, easy there, guys. Like, <laughs> this is going to dry up real quick. It is now starting to dry up. 
How does that affect paint correction? Does does more people in a dry economy, do they spend more on paint correction? Or are they looking for alternatives where they might not have to, the customer might not have to spend as much, and maybe a detailer could come in with a one-step? Well, the interesting thing about economy and the ebbs and flows that happens with economy is that car care and professional detailing, there's a correlation and a connection that happens with the economy. And uh, it kind of goes like this. So when when consumers are really fat with cash and they you know are like, okay, comfortable spending money, they'll hire out a detailer and do that kind of work on their cars. But when they're feeling tight and they want to hold, hold on to their wallet a little more, um, they'll do the work themselves. So um, either way, car care is successful. I mean, in in recessions and ebbs and flows of the economy, you know, car care products is, it, I don't want to say it's like recession proof, but it it really is, product sales really happen at either time, whether you're ebbing and flowing in the economy. Because the way it works is uh, consumers will keep their cars longer and they will work on them themselves rather than hire stuff out. So, Or will they maybe also, another alternative would be they just won't pay as much for the yeah. that they had been paying. Yeah, they're not going to buy the top tier, you know, paint correction package. They might go for something a little more affordable at that time. So 2019, we had the great opportunity of being there at the Rupes facility with you. And we did a co-training event where you went through heavy into all the different technicalities of paint correction, what's involved with why you guys design your tools the way you do, the way you guys have your pads the way you do, the symmetry between the pads, the products. Uh, walk us through for a brief moment so everybody can get a grasp. Like when somebody comes to Rupes for training, what should they expect? Oh, uh, yeah. So what we're proud of and what, what I think you experienced, Marty, when you were there is we, um, we pride ourselves on having a training experience where the student that comes in, they get a mixture of classroom and garage, and we, we try to have that really good balance because we know humans learn um, in different ways, in an individual ways. So some people are, you know, very classroom friendly, and they learn by reading and hearing and uh, listening and watching slides. And then other people have to work with their hands in order to learn. So at our academy, we provide both of those, and we, we hit you with the classroom and the garage all day. You know, we um, over in, inter, intertwine those two experiences throughout the day. So we why hope you, that we learn, you, know, you learn one way or another. Why do you think it's so important to have both? I mean, I know you, you, everybody learns different ways, different what ways. you said, but there are some people that just do the classroom. Yeah. And there are also some people that only do the garage. So, you know, there's lots of different trainers out there and uh, different training experiences. But what we try to do is have a balance of both because some people learn one way, other people learn the other. So we hope that something sticks throughout the day. But when we were when we were going through the technicalities of it, give everybody a brief description. What will they learn and all the technical stuff? Because I think that's kind of what separates you as an individual instructor apart from everybody else. It's it's the way you can go through the technical yeah. aspect. So we explain the components. So when when you're machine polishing on a paint, the result you get is from four things. So there's a there's a tool, there's a pad, there's a compound. And then there's a person, there's you. Uh, so what we go in our training class is we go through each of those individual components and we educate about 
the impact of the tool, the what the pad's doing and what the compound's doing, and then we pull it all together. And because it really is, the reality is, it's a synergistic approach. Uh, those of you that are excited about a tool, and you think that's why you get great polishing results, it really isn't. It's it's got to be those four things together. It isn't any one of those things. It is all four of them together. So we spend a lot of time educating on those individual components and then how they work together. I love yeah. it. As we walked out into the hands-on part of that training, uh, the, the, listen, it, it began to take a new form for me because I'm that guy that's more of the hands-on person, mm. right? You know, when yeah. we, do, we do our trainings, I don't do a lot of the book stuff, right? It's just not the way yeah. I've, I've been. I'm that hands-on guy. And as you began going over the processes and explaining it on the hands-on side, one of the theories that really began to blossom is you would ask people to come over and look once you just kind of went over the paint as a one-step. Yeah. And we began asking the questions about percentages. What percentages does an average daily driver, when it's going to be corrected, yeah. what percentage does it need to really achieve for the quote-unquote, average daily driver customer. Do you remember that number? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and I love this conversation, Marty, and we, you know, as a trainer and as I work with detailers, we, we actually have the conversation about the percentage of defect removal, and what that means is you're looking at all the defects on the paint, and if you achieved, let's say, all of those scratches and all those defects removed completely, that would be 100% defect removal um, and I don't like I don't like uh, having percentage conversations with car owners because they don't think that way they don't think in scratches mean percentages on my paint they don't think that way but I love the conversation with detailers because most detailers have this this uh, disease we have this oh I gotta make every scratch go away we gotta make the paint perfect um, and this is kind of like a very common disease that detailers have but the reality is uh, the average consumer of detail services their eyes cannot see the difference in the paint between 75 percent defect removal and 100 percent and yet a lot of detailers are trying to, to deliver at that 100 percent but their own customers can't even see the difference and and i Massive testimony to that. I'm sure every detailer that has gone out, talked to their customer after they've done a full correction and spent 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. And then the biggest insult to me is when the customer gets in their car and goes, thanks. Right. Now, if I would have yeah. done a one step, <laughs> they wouldn't have told the difference. And I'd only spent an hour to two hours, but I just spent 10 to 12. Exactly. And, and he's happy, but yeah. he had no real appreciation for the amount of time that I just spent. And I felt deprived as a detailer, as an artist, that you weren't appreciated for I the extra hours. I wasn't appreciated either. Extra hours. So since then, Marty, what I've done is developed this conversation a little more since you were at our academy. And what what I like to share is that there is this this level of delivery of paint correction that that we call customer pleasing results. Okay, and that's a standard. It's at the point that the customer is happy about what you did. Then there's another level called detailer-pleasing results, and that is what the detailer strives to do for other reasons, not so much customer-pleasing, but they have other reasons for that. So there's a big difference there, 
And I think if a lot of detailers would focus more on customer-pleasing results, they can turn the cars um, more efficiently, get them done, and actually be more profitable. And and the statement was made, which was cool. I really appreciated it when you said it because we were there talking, which we've done since 2016. We've been very devout in one, two, and three years. That's been our target. That's been what we always hit at for ceramics. And you had made the statement, once we were there doing that, you go, and this is the level that you guys talk like yeah. you agree that this is where we were yeah you know at 2019 and here we are in 2022 i love it yeah. right of yeah, course yeah. yeah i love then looking back and going cool we knew where the direction would go happy so happy. you guys did too though because even yeah. there you were talking about little holes in your system that you guys needed to plug right. in exactly i think you came out with some products to fit those holes yeah yeah exactly. so walk us through those products yeah, so the Uno Protect is, uh, you know, it's an all-in-one cleaner wax, whatever label you put on a product like that. But it is fully consistent and aligned with the concept of delivering a customer-pleasing result in one application around the car. So that that is the expectation on this product is to you're going to do a once-around on the car. Whatever defects come out, they come out. Whatever defects don't come out, they're not out. But it's fully intended to deliver customer-pleasing results in that one step. Um, uh, the question was asked recently on the community pub. Community? Community. Was, is there a perfect detail? Is there a perfect detailer? Mm-hmm. No, hmm. not detailer. A perfect detail. Can oh, you a perfect achieve, detail. Can you achieve ah. perfection? And my answer was exactly what you just talked about. Hey, if that customer's happy... What is it? That's perfect. That's a perfect fucking <laughs> That's detail. That's perfect, yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts? Can you achieve a perfection on a detail? Well, it depends on the definition of perfection, and, and I like what you just said. So if you define a perfect detail as it's a customer-pleasing result, then there's a lot of those that happen and a lot more that should happen. But if you define a perfect detail as 100% of the defects are removed, um, I... I mean, I've been looking at paint for over 30 years, and I've been looking at my own polishing and the polishing of other detailers, and my eyes have not seen 100% of the paint defects removed on any car. I mean, I always find something. Um, But yet there is that people strive for that. They're like, I'm going to make perfect paint, and I do it on every car. You know, I pound your chest, and I'm going to do perfect paint on every car. And I think if that's your goal, um, you're really going to struggle on the profitability sides of things because the number of customers that are willing to pay for a detail at that level is a lot smaller group of people than like the daily drivers and the the people that would be willing to pay for 75%, let's say. So uh, another theory that has come up over the past couple of days was, was heavily discussed when we talked entrepreneurism inside of detailing. And being able to have a longevity in your career. <laughs> Who would have a longevity in a career? Somebody that's going over with a one-step or going always constantly doing full corrections? Oh, interesting question. Because I don't, you know, I, I feel like the bubble's going to burst on this paint coating thing. I just feel like it's going to 
outburst. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but right now it's full steam ahead, and everybody's everybody's fat and happy. But is it full steam ahead, or has since that e word, that economy, has it started <laughs> slowed it down yeah. a little bit? Yeah, it's probably impacted a little bit. But yeah, I don't know what's going to happen when that bubble bursts. But the if you want to be recession proof and you want to be sustainable and actually have a lot more customers for the services you're providing, then you're, you're going to be doing one steps because it, it's just simply a, a service that more people will buy. It, and which is it easier to train on? Because if we're going to be sustainable, oh, yeah. if we're going to be an entrepreneur that continues through decades in the industry, hopefully if we're 20 to 30 we don't plan on being out of business at 35, even though the numbers are pretty clear that after 35, it becomes more and more slim that there's actual yeah. detailers uh, running businesses. Yeah. Um, so if, if we love our industry, which I was that young kid that, that just loved cleaning cars, and I asked myself the question, how do I get to keep doing what I love the rest of my life? Yeah. Then we've got to think through how do I, how do I build a team it's no doubt a lot easier to train team members on a one-step versus a full correction. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. There's that moment in, in time in a detailer's development where they have that conversation with themselves about, do I scale up? Do, do I scale this business beyond me mm-hmm. and, and what I do individually on cars? And some detailers, they decide... Oh, I don't. I don't want to scale up. I mm-hmm. I love working on cars. I want to work on. I want hands on the cars myself every day, and that's totally fine. But that person, like you said, would have to accept the future limitations, uh, you know, of age and the body's going to change, and you you're not going to be able to do the same work you did at 20 as you will at 45 or 50. Um, but you know, more power to you if that's your business model and you want to do that. You want to spend your life even into your elderly years, you know, polishing on cars, then more power to you. But if you're going to scale up, that is the, the, the most valid question is, okay, if I'm going to provide detail services beyond myself, you have to have repeatable, consistent, uh, you know, employees that will deliver on a service every day without you. I mean, without you standing there doing it. All right, so we're here at HyperClean are big on systems and processes just like you guys are. Yeah. I think uh, having the right product mixed with the right process and having the best purpose, um, well, that's going to be the greatest achievement that you can have as a business, and we always try and put that information out. So I know you guys are big on that too. You as specifically, when we've talked in the past, you've, you've questioned why the American detailers aren't as processed yeah. devoted as maybe people in, in other countries. So what is it about the Rupes process that, uh, you know, explain it, you know, why is it helped to achieve a 75% correction and, and how if somebody's going, all right, I get what you guys are saying. I, I want to go with that one step. What do you guys have to offer that helps them do that? Yeah. So the product itself, the Uno Protect is the, the one of the four things that contributes to the result. So we're really big on systems, as you said. Um, so it's not just a Uno Protect that we're selling. We're selling that result that you get with that one-step application. But it is a result that's contributed by the, the Uno Protect product, the pad system, and the tool. 
And then, of course, we educate and train the person on how to apply it. So there's the fourth one. Um, but all four of those things working together is what we we insist on talking about and insist on a system approach. All right. And is there, I've heard rumors, there's a, a new facility for that? Ah. Yeah, so we have manufacturing in Italy, and then we've had manufacturing in Denver, Colorado for, I guess we're on our sixth year in uh, Denver. Um, so we have we announced in November that we have built a new facility for manufacturing of the pads and the compounds, and that facility is in Houston, Texas. Yeah. Uh, what, do you know why Houston? Yeah, so it's a it's an entry port for raw materials. So when you talk about the raw materials that you need to make a compound and the the raw materials in foam, you know, raw material foam. So it is an entry point. It also is centralized kind of in the country from left to right. So you know, our sh- our shipping is centralized at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I it, it is funny, you know, being from Oklahoma running a national brand. Uh, a lot of other people with brands are on the that one side or the other. Yeah. And people ask me, "What's it like being in Oklahoma?" I go, "Listen, our shipping's a lot easier than yours." I mean, <laughs> you're we, either going to ship ship uh, left yeah. or you're going to ship right, uh, but it's the same distance. Most right? of the time, we're <laughs> we're two days to pretty much either side. Everywhere. Of the, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, there yeah. is there is some interesting aspects of being in the Midwest, even though it's a typical flyover state. You know, there are some advantages that you can use. Uh, so that's cool. We're we're glad that you're down there in Houston. What happens then to Denver? Is there... Oh, no, we still manufacture. So Denver makes the tools. So the electric and the pneumatic tools we manufacture in Denver and in Milan, Italy. Uh, But we don't make pads there currently, and we don't make compounds there currently. So this just is a new manufacturing and new supply chain capability for us. So we make it in the United States. That means we don't have to ship a bottle of compound or a pad from Italy, you know, and bring it into the United States and then further ship it to you guys. We can make it here and send it. Does that help relieve some of the stress out of Denver with some of the tools? Does it does it help or, or, or what does it do for the, the company? In Denver? No, because... Um, well, like I mean, having the plant now in Houston, does that help? It, it would, it would in a thing, yeah. help, right? Absolutely, it does because because yeah. the the, uh, the product once it's made, we ship it to Denver, and then Denver is our shipping point out to everywhere. You'll so. still ship out of Denver, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now you guys do a lot of your own maintenance on your own tools. I know I used to, and and this is the fun part too. You guys still have the Cyclo brand, uh-huh. which I I could show you a picture, uh, and I'd be funny. It would have been two thousand and eight. Nine, yeah, it had been 2009, late 2009 when this picture was taken. I had started a company called Auto Spa at the Mall, and we were a valet and waterless detail company. And the promo pictures that I took were on this black Mustang from a kid that was working for me at my car wash. And uh, <laughs> I sit on that front hood with my dual, my dual action <laughs> polisher Cyclo. Yeah. You know, uh, you, Still a brand you guys carry? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think some of the people that were still at Cyclo, uh, you can still call in and talk to. Yeah, the reason that Cyclo was purchased by Rupus was, uh, of course, the the polisher is... Cyclo is actually credited as the very first Bigfoot 
polisher because I don't know if you knew this, Marty, but dual heads, you know, they're counterbalance, four-inch pads, but the orbit size on that tool is actually considered Bigfoot because anything that's larger than a nine-millimeter orbit is, we call it a, a large orbit, so... But that tool had a 16-millimeter orbit. So it was the very yeah. first Bigfoot. Yeah. So anyway, um, and, I, and I got one thing to share with you on my personal cyclo thing. So in 1981, that was before you were born, right? 78. <laughs> okay. So 1981. I would have been on the floor watching Dukes of Hazard. That was my Friday night activity <laughs> every night in the 80s. So. so I can show you pictures where I was using the cyclopolisher in 1981. Um, so that's how far back the cyclo goes for me. But, yes, Marty, we actually manufacture the cyclopolisher in Denver, Colorado. And when we purchase a company, we purchase their manufacturing expertise and their people as well as the, the patent on the tool and all that stuff. The Rupes tool is quite a bit uh, more intricate than the uh, Cyclo tool, but I used to spend multiple times as I then began to grow a distribution company, I would sell Cyclo to my dealerships and get them away from a rotary and to use the Cyclo. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times you'd have some problems with gears. or something, And I would actually most of the time, at least twice, usually twice a month, I would spend the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon out on the back patio. I would repair people's cyclos for them. Oh, sweet. And, and put them back together, you know, and send them back to them. Uh, spent a lot of time ordering parts and working with the, the guy in the back that oh, was, nice. was, was building those cyclos and, and the maintenance on them. I know as, as Rupes has come in, it's a much more intricate tool. It wasn't something that, you know, people could really try and fix on their own. And most of the times we'd have to send them off. What? What's the main? What's what's the, the the repair looking like? I know through Corona there was a lot of issues with you know maybe it was hard to get people in and out. You know, well, moving forward, I, I guess people can expect the, the repairs to, to move forward a bit faster. Or? Yeah, yeah, we've actually tried our best to really keep that turnaround time. Pre-COVID, we were less than a week of when you shipped in a tool, our guys fixed it and turned it around that week. Um, during COVID. That stretched to like two or three weeks, uh, and it was a parts availability thing, but it was also people. So the uh, employee turnaround increased during you know, COVID time, so it was a very big challenge. But we're back in the game on that week turnaround now. Um, we've, we've found some stable employees that are going to hang out for a while, um, and then we trained them up on the repairs, and we're back to that week turnaround. All right. Now, I think an interesting thing that you've said when you've been on the episode or just meeting you, you said everybody has their own path in the industry. I know at one point in time you were a mobile detailer. Yeah. And, and you said there was a, a moment where you go, I'm going to take a new path. Yeah. Right? Start a new journey. I love, uh, I love Sarah. I think she's an amazing yeah. young detailer. Uh, was fun to see her venture as we began to connect over our plastic reduction side of what we do at HyperClean. Yeah. And then as she was the mermaid detail, or not mermaid, it was uh, it was something where she was a traveling detailer or something. But Wonderlust. Wonderlust. Yeah. There you go. And then when, when she was going to make her trip up to Denver, they, they stopped there in Tulsa, her and Jen from Cosmetology, and we all rode up to Denver together and had a yeah. fun time. It, yeah. it, it was great. You know, so we've been... We've been a big Sarah fan for years. Walk us through, you know, 
what that means to to be a detailer that goes, okay, I'm going to start a new journey because we all have our own ways in the industry. There's there are some detailers that want to go be a part of 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 type of working with the brand of right. of educating people and, and working through it. Well, how does somebody go from detailer to then you know working with the company? What's that journey look like? Yeah, um, so it's exciting. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to have. Sarah on our team, but it is a great example of a detailer that has uh, morphed herself from a detailer into another role, which is representing a brand, and in this case, representing a training academy. But there's lots of different forks in the road that uh, a detailer, once you've you know, done the detailing thing, and at some point in time, you might feel, okay, I've, I've reached that level. What is my you know, next thing? Uh, and I reached that level. I was 12 years into my mobile detail business when I realized I wanted to do something else. And and I loved the detailing part, but I was ready to do something else. So there's different paths that the detailers can go. They can go down the, all right, I'm going to sell detail products now. That, that's one progression. Yeah, and that's actually that's what I talked about at uh, the education day on Thursday. Is yeah. how could a detailer? Because I don't know of any other detailers that bought into distribution, put all their money into their product, and started selling out of a garage while they ran an, a detailing business, grew a distribution company that then started to sell products nationally. Yeah. So that's a very unique opportunity that we have at HyperClean. And so I talked about how a detailer could grow a million-dollar distribution company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the paths. You know, we could sell detail products. Yeah. The other path... Which hasn't happened before, really. Yeah. Uh, over well, the past couple of years, yeah. it's been extremely... If you look right. at the whole industry over the past, what, 50 years? You know, yeah. the past years is the first opportunity detailers have really been able to have to get into products. Right. And in that path, you can develop your own path, you know, your own products and sell your own brand. Or you can decide to work with an existing brand, existing company, and you hit your wagon to them, and now you're representing those products. The other path you can take is on the training and education side. You could actually be mm-hmm. a trainer, you know. And that's another route that, that detailers sometimes take. Um, and there's lots of opportunity. If, if you're out there listening, I would just encourage you to think of what, what are the things that you really enjoy and you value. Um, if you like selling products to detailers, if you like that part of it, then, man, go ahead and pursue that and find a way you know, to make that your next progression. Uh, but if you like education like I did, that was the, that was the hot button for me. Um, although I have done, I've been on the selling side of it as well. But I just all about education. So uh, the way you start, Marty, is you just got to, first of all, you have to identify the dream and and what is the direction you want to go. When you're trying to think of the dream, I love that you said that because we, we encourage people to go, hey, what do you most want out of your life? Yeah. Right? Like if on a weekly a daily is hard to do. This is an interesting part. I, I took my uh, girlfriend and her, her kids and my kids. We all went skiing over Christmas. And, and I was teaching her kids how to snowboard. And <laughs> this thought really came to me as, as all these other kids were, you know, and we're all trying to learn. We're trying to go through it. And I, uh, they asked me how long I'd been doing it. I was like, oh, geez, I learned in college. That would have been 2000. Uh, no, it wasn't in 2000, but 1990. 
I think that trip was 1998. Yeah. 98 or 99 yeah. when I learned to snowboard. And they just were amazed that you would keep. I was like, yeah, we, we save throughout the year. We plan throughout the year. And every year we go back because it's something that we love. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, when you're thinking about life, you want things in the future to be doing what you really love. Correct? Yeah. The more times you can find things that you love to do, the better success rate you have. So if I'm a detailer and I'm thinking 10 to 20 years in the future, let's go back to this, you know, one-step type of deal. How do I save myself some time so that I can then every day, every week, also be doing other things that I really like out of my life? Yeah. You know, what is it about a one step in achieving 75% correction that will help me do that? Yeah, well, it simply means m- more opportunity for more customers, more cars, more frequency of that, you know, one step. And it allows you the time, like you said, to explore your other loves. If, if you were, let's go back to you being a mobile detailer, right? Put yourself back in that situation. Given all the information that you've learned over the decades, and you were 22 to 35, somewhere through there today, and you were going to go start a detailing business, which model would you go after? Oh, my gosh. You know, I've thought about this because if I, when I was a detailer, if I knew then what I know now, and if I had products and systems then that are accessible now, oh, my gosh, I would have just made so much more money in, in less time. I, I literally would have been more profitable in less time. By doing one steps. By doing, I would do them, I'd do as many as I could all day, and I'd forget these, you know, $2,000 paint correction jobs. Yeah. Interesting, though, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The way technology's been able to help that. Yeah. All right. But, so we got one tab out question, and as you know, if you've been on the pub or been around the podcast, sometimes they can get a little bit uh, interesting, right? You know, so we're we're going to dive into an interesting part of your life, and I'm going to ask you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're taking, I didn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're taking this one just a bit different, and it is uh, we 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 at the community. We believe in uh, we believe in open dialogue, open discussion, which is so thankful that you're here to do this. We've had people that they manufacture products or they don't manufacture. They have no interest. They have zero. You know, some we just love opinions. Okay. Right? So. We want to ask you, what is the future of ceramic coatings? Hmm. Because we got such a massive thing that's greatly impacted our industry as far as protection. Um, there's a new one. It's called graphene. There's some people that say lifetime. There's some people that say, oh, you know, now there's a big push for six months and these graphene sprays. There's, we've always been, like we said, a one, two, and three year. That's been our target. But... What does the future look like to you? It's just an opinion. Everybody gets to express their own thoughts. Yeah. Well, like I alluded to earlier, I do see in the future, and I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen in this category, but I I have to believe that there is going to be a bubble that bursts. And some of the scary trends I see is new products, like you mentioned, some of those new technologies, new products coming out. But if, if as a community, if we're not careful about how we talk about this new technology, uh, the exaggerated claims and all the fluff and stuff that we try to sell, you know, products and systems with, 
the reality is that the the consumers, because of the internet, they are getting more and more educated about paint correction and paint coatings and what you know what a paint coating can do and what it can't do. So there's going to be a time when the average consumer knows more than what detailers think they know, and and then they're going to decide. You know what? Your claims are garbage. Your claims are false. And at that point they're going to decide to do something different besides buy these you know fancy paint coatings cuz if you don't believe in it if a consumer doesn't believe in the product or the service they're going to stop using that product or stop buying that service so i just think there's going to be a bubble burst and i don't know what's going to happen when that happens but one of the crystal balls we have is we can look at the history in japan so japan if you looked at all of the markets around the world the paint coating category originated in Japan and if you look at their history their bubble burst in Japan it and, did and what happened you know yeah so there was a cleansing of the number of detailers providing those services so they actually went from hundreds of products and hundreds of providers and it went down to a select few that were still offering paint coatings. When did this happen? This was going back about 10 years now. This is 2022, yeah. Because uh, Japan was first out with all this paint coating stuff. And they hit the market with all these exaggerated claims. And there was a, you know, a wildfire of services sold. And then the average consumer said, you know what? I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't believe what you're telling me. You can't drive your car into the sun and it'll survive, you know. You do. They, they just said, no, I'm not buying it. So there was a, a, just a crash. I want to say like a house of cards crashed. Happened about 10 years ago. So it'll happen here eventually. I, I got to believe it does. I mean, because if you look at what's happening, the same things here is happening No. All these new products and all these exaggerated claims are being thrown around. So, Cool. Jason, man, thank you for your input. Way yeah. To, way to tab that question out. Derek, uh, you know, he did a pretty good job. <laughs> did a pretty good job, no doubt. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Remind everybody where they find you on social. So Jason Rose, Rupus, uh, Instagram. Um and then I have two pages on Facebook, but the public figure one is probably the one to send people to, Jason Rose. Perfect. Jason, yeah. man, thank you so much. Yep. And uh, anybody that is curious of where they go in the industry, I agree. If, if you want to progress forward and continue to move on, One Steps is just going to be a lot much better for you. And uh, we wish you all the best in your guys' journey, too. So everybody have a great mobile tech. And yeah. Until next time, Jason. Thank you, guys.